0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on Twitter Spaces, our podcast and other platforms for our discussion on the state of education in Southern Nevada. I'm Melissa Duran, producer with the city of Las Vegas. A January 24th marks International Day of Education, which is proclaimed each year by the United Nations. Changing course, transforming education is this year's theme. The pandemic has continued to challenge how our children are being educated The recent pause by the Clark County School District has left many parents concerned about a return to virtual schooling and unsure about how we can support our children. However, community partnerships have emerged as a bright spot and helped transform these challenges into manageable circumstances for many students. Local governments, like the city of Las Vegas, adapted to virtual learning by providing camps for working parents. Local nonprofits have stepped up to provide tutoring, Internet access, and much more. So today we're going to be discussing how our community partners are all working to support our students. All right, so I'm going to introduce you to our speakers today. Joining us today, we have Matt McNally, Community Engagement Director for the Las Vegas Clark County Library District. We have Kirsten Sear from the Public Education Foundation, Dr. Tiffany Tyler-Garner with the Children's Advocacy Alliance, Dr. Jonathan Moore with Deputy Superintendent of Student Achievement, the Nevada Department of Education. We have Dr. Lisa morris Hibler, Chief Community Services Officer with the City of Las Vegas, and Dr. Tammy Malish, Director of the Youth Development and Social Innovation Department here at the City of Las Vegas. Thank you all so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Dr. Lisa Morris-Hibbler, we're going to start with you. Can you start by giving us an overview of what the education space is like right now?
3: Thank you, Melissa, and good afternoon, everyone. The education space right now is, I would say, unprecedented. Uh, Obviously, these last two years have been incredible. I want to start off by thanking all of our educators and support staff and everyone who has come together in order to support our children. I think in many ways, people are exhausted for what we thought might be um, maybe a month or two has extended now into 24, 25 months. But what I also see is a commitment and a passion to ensure that our children are supported and that they are able to um, honestly recover from what has been really in many ways a daunting process. I think as a a community, we've also shown that uh, we do know how to put children first, which often meant uh, and continues to mean being able to work together on a path forward.
0: I think that's a really good way of putting it, that it has been an exhausting process, an exhausting past couple of years. For anyone just joining us, we're discussing how our community partners are all working to support students. Let's go to Dr. Jonathan Moore, again, Deputy Superintendent of Student Achievement with the Nevada Department of Education. How has learning been reimagined in Nevada as we've dealt with the pandemic?
2: Thank you uh, for the question and good afternoon to everyone. I think to echo uh, Dr. Morris-Hibbler, we certainly are in an unprecedented time, both across our state as well as the nation and the world. To That end, the Nevada Department of Education established four focus areas, recognizing the urgency of our current context, but also the opportunity of our current context. And so we've chosen to prioritize uh, advancing equity teacher recruitment and retention, social-emotional learning, and mental health, as well as efficiencies for long-term success. And it was these four areas that came out of countless hours of conversations with members of our community across the state, where we heard directly from educators, leaders, students, and parents, as well as family members about what they wanted uh, for their child's education As we seek to progress. And so in advancing equity, for example, we've made a $10 million investment to expand state-funded pre-kindergarten. We know that research would suggest that the earlier we can capture our learners, especially those who may come from marginalized circumstances, the better their trajectory will be as they progress through K-12. Uh, One other that's near and dear to my heart is under teacher recruitment and retention, we've prioritized $20 million for the Incentivizing Pathways for Teaching uh, grant program. And in this instance, which is very innovative, Nevada will be providing pre-service educators with student learning stipends and tuition assistance. Uh, We often know that when we think about the strain on teacher recruitment and retention, some of our, uh, our educators who come from Uh, marginalized communities, particularly those um, who may identify as people of color, are often impacted by the burden that student teaching can place, especially when there's no income uh, coming into one's household. So we've really just taken stock of what can we do to think about our current context differently and use this opportunity to urgently move things forward.
0: Well, that's amazing to hear. Dr. Tabby Malish, can you share how the city and other community partners have stepped up to support the community?
1: Yes. Thank you, Melissa. Um, as an educator um, in my previous life, and once an educator, always an educator, you know, I always realize the importance of supporting education from a community-wide standpoint. It is unrealistic to believe that this is the job of our local school districts, whether we are Nye County or Humboldt or or the Clark County School District. It is a community or it should be a community-wide approach. I think one of the things the pandemic caused was it caused us to rethink education. And when schools were shut down, um, how do we now continue education in a different way? It could not be just the job of the district. And so I think that provided us an opportunity And a sense of urgency around this community partnership. Um, That is one of the things I am most proud of that occurred from the pandemic. Community partners, like many of those on this call and others that aren't on the call, came together to say, how do we support our educators in the district? How do we support the State Department of Ed by serving the kiddos? Um, And whether some places like the Clark County Las Vegas Library, the provide a building space. Um, The Nevada Department of Ed engaged in conversations around the teacher pipeline. Um, Public Education Foundation was right there in the forefront of, of supporting the getting the addressing the digital divide. So each of the partners, including the city, came together to look at how we better support and resource and partner um the city stood up full day programs where parents could continue to work if they were first responders or were still in a critical and essential job field that they were reporting to work, a place where they could bring their kiddos that was safe and supervised, and we could then provide support to the educators that were providing virtual learning. We could help kiddos so that when parents got home from work, at least they felt comfortable that their kiddos had logged in and taken care of their coursework, et cetera. And so I think it provided a great opportunity for us to come together and partner.
0: Yeah, that was definitely a very, very helpful program for for parents across the valley. And Matt, um, you're from the library district. She mentioned how you guys helped during this time. So, can you kind of elaborate on that and tell us how the library district has stepped up to support students?
4: Absolutely. Um, thank you, Melissa, and thank you to the City of Las Vegas uh, for hosting today's conversation. Uh, it was about a year ago, I think, that uh, that Dr. Uh, Malich and I, we were working hand-in-hand to uh, convert a, lar- a lot of our uh, larger spaces here at the Library District into distance learning education centers. Uh, we have large performing arts centers, and at that time, lots of people weren't gathering in, in groups to see arts uh, presentations, but we needed places for uh, children to be able to go to to, um, uh, to learn. And we saw that as a, recognized that as a community need, partnered with the city of Las Vegas, and uh, together um, just really created a great environment that was safe, secure, um, and really helped foster uh, learning, I think, within our community. So uh, just a tremendous partnership and and uh, very happy to be a part of it. Um, today, I think to understand education, we really have to understand some of the latest demographics um, of who we're serving. So we know that we're a community of families. Uh, 68% of our metro area is made up of working family households. And half of those families, uh, have low education or low income and a quarter of those families have low English, uh, language skills. So we need to recognize that education has this, a direct correlation, um, to our future workforce. Um, nowadays people will have 12 to 15 jobs in their lifetime. Uh, the average worker has 10 jobs before the age of 40. And so preparing, uh, our young students with education and, and preparing them for the workforce ahead, um, has to, uh, The the community has to know and understand and get behind why the push for stronger education, and and it's because it has that direct correlation to the future. So uh, one of the things that we've done here at the library district is uh, we've partnered with CCSD on a program called Community Share. Uh, the library district now provides over 50,000 digital titles to CCSD through Follett Destiny and Destiny Discover. Um, a student just simply logs in through, their, uh, through Canvas, and they have access to all of the school resources uh, in addition to our entire youth digital collection. Uh, that was something that our, exec- our, our executive director wanted to make available to students and worked with Dr. Jara uh, to get done. So we're very proud um, to bring that additional access to students. Uh, we focus a lot in the area of early childhood education. We do lots of visits to preschools and to uh, family, friends, and neighbor providers. Uh, we recognize that the brain develops most rapidly during the first five years of development. So we offer lots of story times at the library for youth ages zero to five. And we offer learning materials uh, for all ages. Um, but a lot of some of our learning materials actually focus on vroom brain-building moments. Uh, What Vroom is, is it is uh, learning and discovery with parental involvement. So everyday occurrences turn into learning opportunities. That might be uh, maybe you're driving with your youth in the car and and you're at a stoplight and maybe you're learning about the the sounds that cars make, whether they go honk or vroom, or uh, maybe you're learning about the different colored lights at that stoplight, red, yellow, and green. Um, Vroom uh, really talks about how every moment in life can be an educational uh, experience. So we offer uh, some one-on-one tutoring uh, at uh, 13 library sites. We partner with Anson and UNLV uh, to provide over 19,000 annual sessions. uh, And students representing 300 different Clark County School District schools, along with private charter and homeschools, can come to the library for one-on-one homework help tutoring. Uh, We also have an online database uh, that helps students. So three main programs would be uh, BrainFuse, which is uh, just online tutoring. So if you have a math problem, you can write your math problem out and they help show and explain uh, through the database uh, on -on one-on-one assistance of how that math problem is maybe solved. We offer Gale courses for workforce development and certifications, and we offer LinkedIn Learning, which are courses in business and technology and, and customer service. Uh, so we also um, focus on lots of STEAM initiatives. One of our um, big partnerships is actually with the city of Las Vegas. It's, we call it PVAC, which is the Performing and Visual Arts Camp. This is a summer arts culture camp that really culminates in great performances after, um, after uh, I think, six to eight weeks of, uh, of student rehearsals and uh, preparing uh, for our, this artistic achievement. And then we offer things like a DJ lab and podcasting studio and a demonstration uh, cooking kitchen and even a green screen recording or editing area. Uh, We recognize that a lot of learning happens in hands-on ways, and the library has lots of different great spaces to help promote that uh, type of education.
0: Wow, you talk about all the things that are available, all the tools that are out there available for adults and children. The library is where you need to be, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, we would love to have you here. Uh, we're open. Uh, you know, we're a, a great, trusted uh, source for information. Uh, and then the last thing that I would add is that we just we, we serve anyone and uh, anyone and everyone. Uh, we're open and accessible for all. Uh, education just isn't about early childhood education or K through 12 education or even systems of higher education, but sometimes it's about non-traditional pathways. And so we offer a very robust adult education program for individuals who are looking for English language instruction or adult basic education, math proficiency, computer classes, uh, and some who just want to uh, maybe have the, go through the set testing, or you can actually earn a nationally accredited high school diploma uh, at the library through our Career Online High School program.
0: Wow, amazing opportunities. Thank you so much, Matt. Kirsten, let's go on to you. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the Public Education Foundation has been involved?
5: Sure, Melissa, thanks so much. Well, the vision of the Public Education Foundation is uh, to unite the community so that every one of our public school students can succeed. And we have approached the pandemic in trying to figure out ways that we can bring about community coalitions uh, to support our students and our educators. So a couple of examples would include when school buildings first closed um, before we could ensure that students had access to computers and the Internet at home. uh, We worked with uh, communities and schools and with Spread the Word Nevada and multiple other uh, community groups to start distributing books and school supplies, um, even toiletries uh, to students who did not have access uh, to remote learning at that time. And there was an incredible outpouring of support uh, through this initiative, which we call Direct Care to Kids. And uh, working with some of the food distribution sites and CCSD, uh, Three Square, we were able to distribute more than 60,000 kids to students so that they had some enrichment when school buildings first closed, and this was, of course, targeted at our students who had the least amount of access to computers and the internet when school buildings closed. Um, so that was a wonderful example of community groups that you know we we are friendly, we we work together, but we hadn't collaborated in that kind of way before. And I think that's something that the pandemic, with all the terrible things that have happened, one really great thing that's happened is that um, community groups have been working together more. Another example is, um, it was, Dr. Malich referred to this, but there was an initiative called Connecting Kids. Um, again, the Public Education Foundation partnered with communities and schools, as well as the uh, Elaine P. Wynn and Family Foundation, Clark County School District, Department of Ed, um, and just countless other organizations and businesses. And we said, um, we're just about to start Um, the 2020-2021 school year, and we knew it was going to be online. And we also knew that there were hundreds of thousands of children around the state of Nevada Um, they might have had access to a computer and the internet, but we just didn't know. And so um, we needed to have a very rapid response um, to make sure that our kids had access to education and and every student needed the same access to education. And so working with all of these organizations, um, we mobilized support to um, set up a a call center for families where they could request help. Families all across Nevada, um, we were delivering Um, with the school districts, computers, um, uh, through school sites and other areas. Um, Dr. Malich had a team that was knocking on people's doors um, when we couldn't reach them to say, we know that you have a student enrolled at CCSD. Do you have access to a computer? Um, We were doing everything we possibly could uh, to make sure that every student was identified and we could say, That student was at this address, and we know that now that they have a computer and the internet. We worked closely with Cox uh, Communications uh, to ensure that students had internet at home at a discounted price, um, oftentimes paid for by the school district if they were at a certain income level. And in areas where um, Cox couldn't provide that service or students who tended to move around a lot, we made sure that they had access to hotspots. So it was just an incredible initiative. Uh, By December, Nevada had become one of the first states in the nation that could demonstrate that all of the students, public school students, had access to a computer in the internet um, no matter where they lived, rural or urban. And uh, like I said, it was just an amazing show of how community partnerships can work with districts. I think you've heard from multiple people today, especially in a crisis like this, our districts can't and shouldn't have to do this alone, right? We should all be mobilizing to help our kids. And it's just my hope that we can continue some of these collaborations to make a lot of progress because we know that our students and our educators are going to continue to need our support in the coming years
0: years absolutely i think this is a great reminder as well you know when everything's going on and parents are stressed out at home and trying to figure out this new normal this is a good reminder of everything that was happening behind the scenes that they may not have been aware of that the community partners really came together and made it happen
6: for our kids
0: dr tiffany tyler Gardner, let's go over to you can you share how children's advocacy alliance has been helping and your part in this
6: thank you melissa and good afternoon everyone I'd like to begin by thanking everyone for their commitment to improving conditions for children. Part of the work that is uh, our charge is partnering with many of the great leaders on this call, policy leaders in the community, to improve conditions for children in the areas of early learning, health, including mental health, child safety, as well as economic well-being, whether it's publishing our annual report card on the state of children, or publishing policy briefs so folks are aware of the ways in which we can transform conditions through policy, or even convening with great coalitions like the Strong Start Prenatal to Three Coalitions, where they're actively leveraging resources like uh, pre K or home visiting or community health workers to increase access to health care in communities. It's really about bringing people together around the issues that are impacting children and families. One great example of that is our uh, annual policy summits. As a matter of fact, we're having one next month where you will hear a lot about folks calling for early investments in, in children, whether it's early intervention or assessments, or looking at the ways in which we can leverage prevention through home visiting, or continuing to call for uh, investments in pre-K. It's really about making sure that leaders are armed with the information and best practices to improve conditions for children in each of those areas, whether it's addressing critical issues like home uh, housing affordability or housing insecurity or food security. It's about making sure that folks have a clear sense of where we are in terms of the state of our children and where we can go together if we will leverage all of the resources at our fingertips, look at their conditions holistically, so not just any one indicator um, negatively impacting children or families, but really thinking through the ways in which maybe families are disproportionately impacted during times like these as a result of things like uh, the lack of housing affordability or even things like the digital divide or transportation. So it's lifting up the great work that The partners that you've heard from here are doing daily to improve conditions for children while also linking arms with them to call for other um, investments or opportunities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, not surprisingly, many students have shown that the pandemic has negatively affected academic growth and only widened pre-existing disparities. So I'd love to hear from any of you any of our speakers here today on what work's being done to help lessen those impacts? And the floor is open to anybody who wants to speak.
1: So, Melissa, I'll start, um, Dr. Tammy Malich, with the city. I think uh, many people have already addressed it, but one of the, the rainbows of the pandemic was this partnership and this commitment to work together. And most of us have agreed um, that we will not go back to working in silos. We will not go back to times pre-COVID where we all kind of did our own thing all in the best and with the best intentions to help serve kids. Um, We have committed to continuing to partner um, and collaborate to make sure that we do a couple things: a, make sure that we put kids in the best position to succeed; b, to support our local school district. Um, We do not want anyone to think that we, as community partners, feel like we know best or can do this better than the district. Instead. We believe we are partners of the district, and it is a shared responsibility because these are all all our babies together, um, the collective we. And so I think um, offering additional out-of-school time learning opportunities, partnering with each other to ensure that we braid funding and don't leave gaps Um, We can resource manage much better together than we can independently, Um, working together to get grants or seek alternative funding, working together with the district to um, ascertain what needs still are not being met and how we can support that. Working to celebrate and support our educators, our support staff, our principals, Um, we know that for each of us, how difficult this has been as parents, as grandparents, as community members, as employees. So we can only imagine how all of that, plus educators and support um, personnel in this time, how difficult it has been and continues to be. So working together to continue to support them. So I think those commitments exist today. We will continue to do those things moving forward so that we can put all of our kids in the best position to be successful.
2: This is uh, Jonathan Moore from the Nevada Department of Education. So when we talk about closing existing disparities, we're talking about advancing equity. And one of the ways in which we do that is by actually meeting every student where they are. And one mechanism that Nevada has had in place for many years is personalized competency-based learning, which we know meets students where they are. And with this approach, students are engaged in partnership with their teachers. They know what they're learning. They know why they're learning it. And they're prepared to move forward um, at a pace um, that is geared toward their needs. And so to that end, in response to our implementation of competency-based learning, Superintendent Ebert convened uh, the Blue Ribbon Commission to make recommendations uh, to the legislature around our current policy framework uh, and also give way to innovations that could transpire over the next 10 or 20 years. The work from that Blue Ribbon Commission manifested during the 2021 legislative session into Senate Bill 215, and what this has done is it's began to lay the framework for improving access to technology, as well as creating flexibilities in instructional time, which we know is an important impact when we talk about teaching and learning and meeting students with uh, where they are. And so, currently, this work is ongoing, uh, and we have a current partnership with KnowledgeWorks, uh, which we are happy to announce is well underway and stakeholders from across the state, we're inviting you to join and be a part of that great work. But in order to talk about closing disparities and advancing equity, we really have to get to the heart of meeting students where they are. Uh, And we believe that personalized competency-based learning is one mechanism that will uh, enable us to do just that.
5: Melissa, this is Kirsten Sear with the Public Education Foundation. Um, I'm so excited about especially the competency-based learning Uh, One way that these partnerships are continuing um, to help students is uh, taking a look at our recruitment and retention of educators. I think that all of us, if if you asked all of us what keeps us up at night, one of the things would definitely be um, the retention of our teachers. We know that we already started the school year short 800 teachers in CCSD, which, by the way, is very typical uh, that we have that many openings at the beginning of the school year. Um, We turn out a couple thousand, maybe 2,000 uh, teacher candidates a year through all of our system of higher education. But CCSD, I mean, sorry, 900 teachers a year, but CCSD hires about 2,000 teachers a year. So you can see that we're constantly recruiting teachers from out of state. Um, And then, of course, uh, we need to work to retain them. Um, If you're coming in from out of state, you may not be as likely to set roots here. So uh, the Public Education Foundation has been um, really excited about a community coalition that involves the Department of Ed, all of the systems of higher education, UNLV, Nevada State College, um, College of Southern Nevada, uh, of course, CCSD. And we're looking at how do we grow more teachers locally? Uh, We're looking at recruiting support professionals who are already in our system classroom aides, people who work in offices, um, custodial staff, bus drivers, how do we get them, um, if they're interested in becoming teachers, to complete their degrees and then do their student teaching? Um, We're looking at the 3,200 CCSD students who are currently in teacher preparation programs in CCSD's Career and Technical Education Schools? How do we mentor them and help them apply for financial aid and work through as they get through their uh, degrees and their student teaching? So um, the good news is that there's an incredible coalition of groups that have laid out a path to try to turn out more teachers to meet the needs of our districts, our public schools. And again, I'm not sure that that would have happened in the way that it's happening without the pandemic. um, on the flip side, of course, this community needs to do everything we can to rally around teachers right now, all educators. Um, we know that our educators are feeling the strain of having worked in the system um, that is very stressed uh, for quite some time now. And um, I hope that we continue to think of ways that we can re- retain our educators. I was really happy that Dr. Jara and the trustees um, decided to give bonuses to all Um, CCSD employees, but that's just a starting point. Um, I hope that we continue to collaborate on retention as well as recruitment.
0: Absolutely. Very good point. Now, some of you guys who just answered that question kind of touched on this, but I wanted to open it up to any of our other speakers. You know, is there anything else needed in the future to better support students and families moving forward? And that, again, open to anybody else, any speaker here with us.
6: This is Dr. Tiffany Tyler-Garner. I would just say the continuing call for investments that reduce the impact of poverty on learning, whether it's the recent advancements around the child tax credit where nearly 50 percent of youth were lifted out of poverty or expansions of health care or ensuring affordable quality child care, the continuing focus around mitigating the disproportionate impact of poverty, poverty is a critical one that we all must continue to consider. Um, it plays out in so many um, challenging ways, whether it's the housing instability that ensues and the pandemonium happened during the period following the moratorium or our continuing challenges around um, finding alternatives when school is negatively impacted uh, during a pandemic. Uh, anything we can do to continue to call for those investments to reduce poverty is critical to this discussion.
4: Hi, Melissa. It's uh, Matt McNally with the Las Vegas Clark County Library District. Uh, from our perspective, you know, we saw education impacted from the pandemic, so so um, just across the board, um, you know, with uh, with all students. Um, and our, one of our areas of focus is really on early childhood education, and it's that zero to five age range of preparing children for formal uh, education. And so uh, from our perspective, uh, one of the things that we really see there being a need for is just organizations that really have a strong family engagement with programming and and uh, toward executive functions of brain building. Um, you know, we, we need organizations that support and teach the soft and social emotional skills uh, that students need to be prepared um, for formal uh, education. It's just as important as all of the hard skills, like literacy and STEAM programs and things like that. Uh, but we've seen, um, you know, young ones siloed and separated from, from other individuals in, in that interaction. So um, having organizations that, um, you know, can, can help them build those soft emotional skills is, is so important, I think, to their future success. Uh, and then organizations that promote and foster play. Um, a, a lot of learning, just uh, especially early childhood learning, happens through play, and they need appropriate physical space for exploration and learning. And they need lively spaces that are um, that are engaging to them. Uh, and then finally, we need organizations who have staff that are ready to model um, quality interactions, regardless of the programming topic. So whether it be math or computers or science, uh, but th- they need to be able to uh, engage with young children. Um, in a back and forth, serve and return conversation, uh, we need to have parent and caregiver engagement, and we need to uh, bring along professional development uh, for these types of uh, organizations that are serving um, early childhood education. So, uh, by doing that, you know, hopefully they'll we get you know they'll they'll have the support, they'll be able to um, work on focus and self control, and 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 young ones will be uh, be able to put things in, uh, have perspective taking, and build their communication skills. Um, all of of the things that are vital and needed to being successful uh, in education down the road.
6: I'd be remiss if I didn't also note the importance of continuing to invest in children's mental health. We've actually mm-hmm. reached a national crisis level that is impacting our state. And so this notion of strong or solid mental health goes hand, goes hand in hand with educational progress.
1: And to piggyback off of Matt and Dr. Tyler Garner's comments, um, The city is committed to continuing current um, high quality, no barrier um, preschool programming um, as well as, and and continuing to increase seats because we believe um, a solid start um, is one of the greatest opportunities to put kids on a level playing field for the K-12 landscape. And then also, not just the social emotional in our pre-k babies, but a commitment to social emotional well-being and normalizing mental health conversations so that we get to a place where we address mental health concerns, the same as we do dental concerns or medical health issues or or any other ailment um, and not look at it any differently. And so, the city commits resources, supports schools in that manner, and will continue to do so because without addressing the social-emotional needs of our kids and the mental health needs, um, it's going to be really difficult to address the academic needs, and so we are committed to those that work.
0: Absolutely. That is so great to hear. I want to thank you guys for being here today. This is such a great conversation. I want to thank you all for the work you're doing in the community for our students. Um, we know that it is not easy, and we just applaud you all for all the work you're doing. So for our listeners, for more information about some of the programs mentioned today, please visit lasvegasnevada.gov education. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great day.